Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's being driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. A cognitive neuroscientist turned family musician. Yeah, that's what you're getting today. Marsha Goodman Wood of Marsha and the Positron joins us to talk about her new album, Energetic, out September 1st. We talk about her getting into children's music, collaborations on this album, and so much more. And you get to hear a few tracks. This is a great conversation, and you also get to hear the crazy connection of how we've known each other without knowing each other for all these years. Enjoy it. For those that don't know you, could you kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit of an elevator pitch of who you are and what you've done over the years? Because honestly, it is so fascinating. Oh. <laughs> Your trajectory is like crazy. So let's kind of get into that a little bit. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so um, so my name is Marsha Goodman-Wood, and I lead a band that's based in Washington, D.C. called Marsha and the Positrons. And uh, we specialize in fun songs about science and how the world works with positive social messages. And... Um, you know, I, I am I write about science because I'm actually a former scientist. So I used to be a kind of scientist called a cognitive neuroscientist. I used to study the brain, and um, uh, kind of my my path has led me. I I always did music um, all along, and uh, for a long time I was kind of like just a a, a thing that I did um, along with everything else, along with academics. I did you know sang I've, I, I've sung for like as long as I can remember and played instruments in school and sung in the choir and did the school musicals and all that fun stuff and um didn't really and no one in my family is a musician um my no one in my family can really sing I, I mentioned that um in another interview and my my uh, 11 year old was, was like Tab, you're like roasting your family. <laughs> it's not. It's not meant as a roast. It's just. Um, it's just. It is what it is. Like they. They um, are not singers. So I don't really know where I got that from. Um, maybe. Maybe from some distant relative or something, or maybe from just listening to things as a kid. I don't know. Um, but I always loved to sing. And then. Um, uh, <laughs> let's see like it's it's too many details so i'll just cut it to uh i i was in a phd program for cognitive neuroscience and decided to uh to not 
continue on to get my PhD and wanted to just um, get my master's and then take a break and decide what what I was doing next. Um, so I finished my master's requirements and then moved from uh, Missouri to Boston. Um, I started out in New York City and then went to Missouri <laughs> and made my way to Boston and was working uh, just another job while I was finishing up my master's um, analysis and write up and still had to go back and defend my thesis. But the day that I mailed in my master's thesis, I um, bought a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and started taking guitar lessons and I had already been writing songs in my head um, and like playing with other people um, and kind of wanted to be able to accompany myself and um, and use the guitar to maybe for songwriting, even though I, I, I hadn't like envisioned myself as a professional musician and songwriter at the time, I think. Um, and started um, singing out more, um, you know, going to like open mics and blues jams and this piano bar and um, really got a nice response from people at those places and kind of uh, felt like I belonged and felt like, okay, let me see where this path leads me and it's led me here. <laughs> and so now I, um, I like to write songs about science um, just because a lot of times, um, you know, a lot of my songs come from conversations with kids or questions because I have three children. Um, and so like over the years, a lot of songs have come out of uh, conversations. And then I started teaching as well as teaching music at um, at my first at my kids preschool and then started doing baby and toddler music classes and have uh, done all different kinds of music teaching um, along the way. <laughs> and now I'm also now I'm mostly a teaching artist as well as a performer, which means that I go into different situations and um, do music teaching uh, for this arts organization organization. Um, but, uh, you know, so a lot of a lot of questions came from my own kids or from kids I was teaching. And I think kids are natural scientists, they always have a lot of why questions. And for me, sometimes the answers were science answers. And some of those um, conversations turned into songs or inspired a song. Um, and I just now um, it's sort of become um, it's become my like mission to make science fun for people um, and to uh, to kind of share that love of science and get kids interested and in, in maybe something that they hadn't thought about before or thinking about it in a different way. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I keep talking so <laughs> you can feel free to interrupt me. But um, it's really fascinating because I often wonder, like the the kid music space, especially the independent children's music space is so unique and it's almost homegrown. So what were the biggest learning curves for you when like distributing your music and recording it and really getting into, I want to produce music. I want to oh, yeah. <laughs> di distribute this stuff. Yeah, so um, my story is that, um, you know, I was writing songs as I was teaching and, you know, raising my kids and sort of um, juggling a lot of different things. And um, when I was pregnant with my third um, child, I was um, thinking about maybe recording them, but I, I hadn't really taken any active steps. And I really, um, like, wasn't uh, in, in community. I didn't really know about the kindy community at the time. Um, but I happened to um, go to a an old friend's um, wedding um, events. Like it was not her wedding was was the um, the date that my due date. So I was I this is an old friend. I wasn't going to be able to attend her wedding because her wedding was like the same weekend that I was due to have this baby. And um, so I went to like 
like her bachelorette party and bridal shower, which was, um, I was living in DC and she was in Pittsburgh. Um, so it was um, a little bit of a, of a trip to get there. And I happened to sit next to this woman who was a friend of hers from like another part of her life. Um, and we had never met before. And we were at this loud restaurant where you could basically only talk to the person next to you and was chatting with her. And she was a very interesting person. She was an actress, um, like my friend. And, um, and, and we were, I was, you know, uh, I was like four and a half months pregnant and said, oh, you know, I'd really love to, you know, record my, my, an album before this baby is born. And she said, well, guess what? My brother is a producer and he lives in Virginia. <laughs> and so she made the connection to my producer, TJ, who, um, who has made all of my records so far. So he, uh, you know, is an experienced uh, producer and uh, was in this indie band called Aloha, who's, he's still in that band. Um, and, um, you know, has has been, you know, professional musician for a long time. So, uh, so I went to, you know, I contacted him and um, then we, I ended up uh, recording my first record when I was nine months pregnant. <laughs> um, wow. We were, it was like two weeks away from delivery. And a part of the story is that when I emailed him and I said, so I'm expecting a baby on this date and, you know, there's kind of a short time uh, timeline here, but his wife was actually expecting uh, their first baby at the time. And her due date was like a week apart from mine. So he was like on it immediately. Like he, he was like, okay, got the schedule. Like we, he figured it out, planned it out. And we uh, were able to record all of my parts, um, at, you know, before the baby was born. <laughs> and then, um, and then like, we would be both like up with our babies at 3am and he'd like text me a mix or <laughs> <laughs> or email me a mix, I suppose, at the time. Um, so, uh, so that was the first record, and then um, you know I've worked with him to make the next two records. And and once I was, um, what I remember once I was up like nursing my baby, um, my little guy. When when uh, I was the the record was in progress, and you know had maybe had you know like you spend a lot of time just sitting when you're you know with a newborn because you can't you. You're, you have a newborn in your arms, you can't move around. And so I had probably, you know, there was nothing new happening in my email, nothing on Facebook, whatever. And I went over to, to Twitter and found, um, somehow found Kindy. Um, and I don't remember what what led me to, to find that, but I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, this thing exists. Um, and I saw maybe that there was like that the KindyCom, uh, Kindy Fest at the time, conference was happening, which is this annual conference that was happening in New York. And I thought to myself, like, oh, that's, that's cool. Maybe I'll go to that someday, like, not thinking that that year would it would be even possible that year. But um, then someone else um, heard about that conference and was like, you should really go to this a friend of mine who was uh, like a child in, in the children's genre did some children's television producing actually. Um, and, and she was like, you should go to this. So I, I ended up going with a friend who helped me, you know, with my baby and, and, um, and my friend who helped me watch the baby. And that was my first like introduction to the kindy community. And then, um, since then I've, you know, it's, it's this amazing space, this amazing Absolutely. community of musicians. Yeah. And so like, I, have you know gotten to know um everyone you know we it's it's this wonderful like welcoming and like encouraging community as you probably know <laughs> and it's really cool because i'm sort of in it but i'm also sort of out of it like people mm -hmm. people often see me as this children's entertainment guy but there are other facets to me but when a lot of a lot of my other pop culture Love and interest intersect. It's really cool when that stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Too, yeah. I I I can imagine it. I um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's also it's a, it's been a little funny the last few years because um, we haven't gotten we haven't had that conference for quite some time. It was the last one was supposed to happen in April of 2020, and of course that was canceled yeah. because of the pandemic, and it hasn't come back yet. So you know, since that time, like a lot of new people have joined, and I think the community changed a little bit over the pandemic because everybody was online. You know, we all like were out of out of work. No, nobody was doing in person. Um, anything, right? All of our stuff got canceled and and everybody had to sort of pivot and figure out how to do more things online. And I think that in some ways the community became more connected in some, uh, you know, like um, just in certain ways. Um, so that that's like one positive that, that came from that. Um, but it would be lovely to be able to like have that in-person conference again and, and actually be able to see each other and like meet new people who've been, who've like become aware of the kindy community since then. <clears throat> all that yeah i'm kind of it, it, there are so many amazing people in that community and everybody helps each other and yes. i'm not and i'm not even a musician so it's <laughs> like so even the idea of radio and podcast everybody is sharing yeah. and everybody is like supportive of each other i mean yeah and we appreciate anybody who's doing any kind of like radio or like podcast because it is really tough as a, a kindy artist to like get your name out there and to become known, you know, like uh, even like the most famous kindy artists, um, you know, don't necessarily get doesn't don't get a lot of rec rec recognition or um you know it's fame and fortune <laughs> it's not really like you're not not really why you go into kindy um but it would be nice to uh for us who are like you're always kind of struggling to um to get your name out and to like share your music with people so you know it's really awesome to have have you know shows like this and other kindy radio shows um and it's it's just a, a constant challenge like we don't have labels typically um there's been a couple of small ones but uh, they haven't really lasted um and mostly people are just doing it on their own so you're like you know all of your work ends up going into funding your own you know making it yourself and a lot of us are raising families at the same time and um so it's challenging you know um, i think you you only do it because you love it and maybe because you love kids and you have something that you want to share with kids um so you know that's um i think that's sort of like the the core of of our community and sometimes not in all cases but like you're your own engineer, you're your own marketing, you're your own machine. Right. Really. I mean, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, I have, um, from that first experience of recording with TJ, I really, like, I think I, like, was really lucky that, um, that, I mean, partially it was because I didn't know how to do it at home. I didn't have the equipment and I didn't, um, I, it wasn't like something I knew how to do. And I was on a really tight timeline. But also, um, I think that I was lucky to connect with someone who was so professional and like had such so much experience because um, that has helped me to like helped my music um, to to grow because um, the studio experience for me has always been really amazing that um, I bring in these songs and then he al always has a lot of great ideas and then my band has grown you know like um and you know when it started out it was just me um uh, me and my guitar and and then tj and then um you know eventually the band um formed and so then we had you know new um new people and new parts and new ideas and then this last record 
um, you know, we had the band, we had a whole bunch of collaborators and um, different people, um, some some of whom were were people that TJ had worked with in the past, um, and uh, and just a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun people. So we we ended up having uh, eighteen different. Um, contributors to this record. So um, that's like, that's a pretty <laughs> amazing. Greg, dive in. Okay. Talk about the album and it's very energetic part. Yeah. Of it. So it's called energetic. It's very upbeat and, and positive. Like I said, you know, my the other, besides the science, um, the other part of my uh, songwriting is about sharing positive social messages. And it's just for me as a songwriter, um, I, when I'm writing a song, I think about in addition to, even if it's like a science idea, I think about, um, like, what does this mean? Like, how does this connect to us as humans? You know, how does this connect to our humanity? And so um, I like to include messages and sort of be deliberate about that. And then I also think about like, okay, how is this, how to make this fun? And and I think um, a lot about live performances. I do a ton of live performances. So I think about, you know, what's the audience gonna do or how, you know, how will the audience interact with this song? Um, so those are like sort of the three elements that go into it. And um, so, yeah, so the, the, the songs are very um, upbeat and positive and they cover like a wide range of topics. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to like sort of yeah, give you a yeah. little bit of a list? Yeah. So they range from like bee communication and starlings and uh, cicadas and ladybugs, a bunch of bunch of bug songs <laughs> uh, to a song about high fives and a song about tying your shoelaces, a song about uh, not being afraid of getting shots at the doctor, um, a song about enjoying the library. Um, let's see, uh, there's 15 songs on the record. Um, what am I forgetting? <laughs> it's like a whole bunch. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, Ghost Forest Investigators. That was one of our singles. That's a song about climate change. Um, that, that was a challenging song to write because um, uh, it's a it's a topic that's not well known. Um, I found out about what uh, Ghost Forest from um, from a conversation with a mom on the playground. Who's our kids are both on the same soccer team, and we got to talking. And I was like, you know, what do you do? Um, I knew that she was um, affiliated with the university, so she was a, she's a biology professor, and she researches Ghost Forest. So she was telling me about it, and that um, that ended up leading to the song. But it's it's you know climate change is a heavy topic, right? So I was thinking about okay, how do I make this fun for kids and um, and and share some like positive message as well. Um, so it has a little bit of a Halloween twist, and then it has like a message of sort of taking action yourself to uh, for climate change and facing your fears and you know um, sort of finding your way out of out of the darkness. Um, so you know that was how that all came together. But anyway, it's. Um, uh, you know, covering a, a kind of a wide range of topics of whatever, um, whatever came to mind. And then um, all of the collaboration. So when we went to the studio, um, uh, a couple of our current band members <laughs> were originally just going to be studio musicians who were joining us. Um, my uh, longtime bass player um, had retired just before we uh, before we started the record, um, he was having some different health issues and needed to sort of step down his uh, his activity a little bit. So, um, you know, he reluctantly um, retired from the band and then we had to find a new bass player. So my uh, one of my other bandmates, Ayana um, Gallant, Gallant, who is the uh, our percussion and and um, and sings as well. Um, had recommended uh, her friend who she'd performed with back, back in other in, in another group, um, John Guo. And so he came in originally to uh, 
you know, to just be a studio musician, but he ended up joining the band. And then he has since moved to Nashville. <laughs> so he's, uh, for a while he was playing all the gigs. Now he's not playing with us, um, or he hasn't played with us this summer, but uh, we're kind of leaving, leaving it open. If there, if there was, a, you know, he might potentially tour with us or might potentially uh, play with us for, for certain things, but we, we also may have a, a different bass player join us at some point. And then um, our current keyboard player, David Durst, is someone who had worked with my producer TJ for quite uh, for quite, quite some time and on different projects. And um, and so he ended up coming in and, uh, and he's now a core member of the band. <laughs> so uh, we ended up, you ended just, up dating You just start of- the family. You start, you... Yeah. Getting comfortable. It's, I guess I, it's just everybody, uh, it's like, yeah, it's kind of like once somebody comes in, it's like they join the family. So, yeah. <laughs> and then um, some of the other, um, our other collaborators, like, so two of our songs have um, collaborations with hip hop artists. Um, so High Fives is a song that um, is a collaboration with a, a local hip hop artist based in Virginia named Doomy Wright, D-U-M-I, uh, doomywrightmusic.com. And um, and uh, so he he raps on High Fives. And I had just envisioned that. I think when I first um, told TJ that I thought that, that 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 belonged to the song, I think he was kind of like, huh, okay. Um, but he went with it. And and, I, um, and that one also involves um, our, a beatboxer, our, my friend Jamal Blackroot Collier, um, who is part of this duo that's um, also kind of local based in Baltimore um, called Beatbox Dads and his partner um, Max Bent used to perform with me before they before the Positrons formed and before Beatbox Dads formed we had played a series of shows together um, but it was a little bit of too much of a commute so we kind of stopped playing together but we were you know still friends and I had this that song had originally come out of um something that I said at, at, when we would play gigs together at the end of the show, I would offer the kids high fives. And I said, I've got an un- unlimited supply of high fives. And so once when I said that, he said, that's a song right there. And that stuck in my head for a while. And it took it took a while for that song to get written. Um, but I never forgot that he had said that. So I invited him to be on it and he couldn't do it. But Jamal ended up uh, beatboxing um, on that track too. So that's kind of a fun little backstory <laughs> there. And um, and the other song that involves a hip hop artist is the song called Starlings. That's my that, favorite. Oh, I you know I I'm so like happy with how that song came out and the transformation of that song from all of the different parts. Um, so that was a collab with Saul Paul, um, who you know like I became friends with um, in in you know during that t- during the time uh, from when I wrote it to when we finally like got into recording it. Um, but that that song um i think was one of the first ones um that i wrote for this album um if that's right i remember that it was uh, that that idea came to me um i was coming it was just after positronic had been released and we played this live show in um, near baltimore in towson maryland and um and I, I, while we, it was like really early in the morning and like, I kind of had left in a hurry. Um, and like, while I was there at the show, I started to get a migraine. I get migraines from time to time. And because I had sort of rushed out, I didn't take any like migraine meds with me. And, um, typically I have those like on hand just in case. And so in the 45 minute drive, it's like 45 minutes to an hour drive back to DC, um, like that migraine really was like intensifying and it was like really hard to drive. Um, and I remember like distracting myself, like on the highway, noticing this like flock of starlings and the song idea came to me um, and I wrote most of it um, like in my head on the on the way home. 
and made it home and you know headache went away of course um but that that was the beginning of that song and eventually um i don't remember why i had the idea to include saul paul on it um but he that killed was again it. he killed he, he it. killed it and and it's and i think also just like the way all of the um the other instruments um came together on that it just really like makes that song uh really special <laughs> um one of the other uh parts on that is um this um guitar part that's um this like sort of jazz guitar and um that's uh, a person that's like also from the from the from dc who i had met in my travels over the years and um had wanted to include him and so he played um, jazz guitar on that and on another song called Weather the Weather. Um, and I love those, I love that like sort of unique guitar part that's on there. Um, so yeah, um, and then and then one of the other, I think on uh, on Starlings, it also has saxophone, right? Um, I have to yep. check that, but yeah. And so the saxophone player, uh, Jonathan Parker is another friend of TJ, someone that um, he had wanted to work with and um, and he suggested bringing him in and then he played on like six of the tracks and, um, and I love all of his parts he played um soprano sax alto sax and tenor sax so all of those parts are mixed in there um and, and it, he just killed it on on all of those songs too i'm a huge fan of um trout fishing in america too so i love yes. seeing that <laughs> feature with keith yeah so uh that came about that was a um you know a friendship that came out of um kindycom so we had met at one of those kindycom conferences um and actually um he knew my sister who was in radio and that's how i know how you know how we how you and i know each other as well um so when i met them i think i forget how it came up but they real we realized that you know i mean because they were <laughs> they, played on radio Disney every like 15 exactly. minutes i yeah, feel so like so for anyone who doesn't know, so my sister is a uh, BB good. She was a DJ on radio Disney for quite some time and was very, very popular DJ. And I'm like very proud of all the, the work she did. That was all like before I was ever involved in children's music. Um, and yeah, so when we met, um, her name came up and, and then they were like, oh, you're BB's sister. And so, you know, we, that was just sort of the, the connection there. And then, um, uh, why did I, I, uh, I, I don't remember how it came. He, you know, I shared my music with him. He's been really supportive, um, Keith. And, um, and then, you know, um, Trout Fishing was here um, in the DC area last year, I think. And we, you know, was able to go out and see them and bring my family to go and hang out. And, um, and so it just occurred to me to invite, invite him to, uh, to participate. And, and I thought that song would be a fun, song because uh so the song is called road to bremen um and that song is um based on the story of the bremen town musicians it's an old folk tale i don't know if you know yeah story and in the story uh part of the story is about like these animals that are are going to this place called bremen where they want to become musicians and sort of they keep on meeting and adding to their group and i i kind of like that idea of like you know sort of adding in different friends um to to you know to join in and so that was the that was sort of the idea behind that and so he did this fun bass part on that song and uh, and i love what he did so that was a fun thing so i don't mean to throw anyone under the bus with this question <laughs> okay this question but I'm ready. what is something in children's music that you try to stay away from because you just too pandering or too you know like too kind of patronizing because oh children's music can be that at times 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, I just always assume that like kids can understand anything and that there's no need to talk down to kids. Um, so, you know, if like if my kids over the years have ever asked a question that was some like very complicated idea, I figure they can understand the answer as long as they break it down in words that they can understand and, you know, take it bit by bit. And so um, so some of my songs are about things that I think people like typically wouldn't sing about for kids, like Ghost Forest, for example. Um, but I figure, you know, like it's it's all in how you um, how you have the conversation. And so, um, you know, it's it's never been an issue for me. Um, you know, I don't sort of. Um, say I'm not going to sing about that or write about that. I kind of write about whatever um, comes up. And I think there's plenty of interesting things to write about. I'm, so I don't I don't know if other people um, write for specific purposes, like I want to write a song about candy or whatever, you know, like, I guess if the right idea came, I wouldn't I wouldn't like not write about that. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, uh, you know, I think it just it's for me, I want to write about things that are authentic. And so, um, you know, I, I want to write about things that are interesting. And I feel like if if, uh, if it's something that a kid has a question about, that's something that's going to interest other people too. And so, um, you know, I kind of like follow that, I guess. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers the question. No, but. yeah. And it, it depends on how people you know, want to present their music. Sometimes it could be super sing-songy and super um, just formulaic in a way, but mm -hmm. when stuff is watered down, kids can tell. Right. And, and I also think, like, it has to be musically interesting. And uh, and that's one of the things that um, that I love about TJ is that he has never treated my music as, like, Okay, this is a kids' record, so we have to do right, it this exactly, way. He exactly. treats it like he would treat any record, and you know, thinks about like fun musical ideas, and uh, you know, like the different people that he's brought in, and the different people that I've brought in. Like, uh, you know, he's kind of rolled with all of that, and and added, and and all of the music musicians that I brought in, all of my bandmates, everybody like adds to it and and we're never like oh we shouldn't do this because it's kids like that's never been a part of the conversation <laughs> um so you know we want to make it as like musically interesting as possible for anybody to listen to and even though it's all like kid it's all kid friendly it's all kid appropriate and it's written with kids in mind i don't i feel like my um my music is really for everybody it's for anybody who like appreciates science like science who wants to hear something different wants to, to think about something new you know um so you know, I don't, I don't like aim, I don't aim low. <laughs> you know, I just aim for whatever. I, I let the songs lead me and kind of, you know, follow that, I guess. So I've never spoken to a neuroscientist before on this podcast. <laughs> so okay. I want to know what you know about cerebral palsy. Because you think a brain injury. And yes. what you want to know what you want to know from me. I want to educate if I can. Or... Yeah. Okay. So what I know about cerebral palsy is usually caused from uh, a lack of oxygen at birth that um, affects the brain and sort of um, uh, causes certain kind of brain damage. And often it's physical uh, damage. So that means that, that it's damage to like the motor areas of the brain. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, 
for a lot of people, it de depending on what um, areas, sometimes it can affect speech, for example, if, if, if the areas that have been damaged are near the areas that um, control like your mouth muscles. Um, and, um, you know, different, you know, it may, it may um, uh, affect your, your ability to walk and things like that, right? I, I actually used to babysit for uh, a family with twins, with twin boys, and they, uh, one of the boys had cerebral palsy. And um, one thing I appreciated from like, you know, from like being a teenager, from, you know, being a teenager onward was that um, those boys were like, equally smart and equally interested in all kinds of things. They were like, I think around five the time at the time that I started babysitting for them. And although um, the boy with cerebral palsy couldn't speak as well as his brother, he was um, mentally there. And so I think that that sometimes people assume because you um, have mm. a speech delay or, or a speech or you're, you can't form the words like like your typical people do that um, that your intelligence is not there but it is that's something right i think that's super important to know about i i deal with that uh more often than not because yeah one size doesn't fit all i mean there are several degrees of cp i mean mm -hmm. for me it happened because i was born prematurely i was born three months early uh-huh and i have uh spastic quadriplegic so it affects all four limbs and my fiance has spastic diplegia and only the only affects her legs so it's like you there's no guidebook to this yeah and i mean i know um it it must be a challenge like having all the physical uh physical limitations that or not limitations but like challenges that come up um to to just do navigate through the world but at, um i think uh one thing that's like nice is that you know you're still like it's not it doesn't affect your your mental function it doesn't affect your like intelligence and your no. ability to like you know understand the world and and want to you know share things and and all of that so i mean i created this podcast 13 years ago because oh. I just wanted to just create things that were inspiring, not even inspiring, but I wanted to create things that I would be, I would be listening to, you know, mm -hmm. because when I was watching Nickelodeon, PBS, Disney, I was also watching MTV. Uh -huh. So there's like this two sides of my brain where it's like, children's entertainment but then i'll be listening to like alanis morissette or like right. just like <laughs> angsty stuff or you know yeah and because of my disability and i say this all the time but it's more more it's important for you to know it's like because i couldn't do so much physically i had all this time mm -hmm. to like really hone in on what I've been doing for the past 13 years and thanks. So yeah. that's, I mean, it's, I, I'm impressed by how you've, um, you know, how, how you've carved this like really like unique space uh, for yourself. That's based on, you know, all of, all of your uh, interests and in that you've, you know, sort of helped them to intersect in that way. That's like, that's very cool. 
Yeah, and one of my one of my sort of pet peeves, I guess, is that I'm often pigeonholed as like the children's entertainment guy, and this is this sort of like bridges the gap between the two because again, it's for kings, but it's not for you know what I'm saying. It's, for yeah, it's not only for kids. I, I think like the best kindy is. Um, you know, like the, there was, I, f- I forget who said this, um, just how it's like the, oh, actually, I, I believe that this is something that Molly Ledford said um, at maybe one of the first kindy fest that I attended and was saying like, it's the kind of music that you want to, that you listen to even after you drop off the kids, that you leave it on in the car, you listen right. even when the kids aren't in the car. And and maybe that was something that somebody had said to her about her music, uh, because her music is amazing. Um, and I don't know if you're like familiar with Lunch Money. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, um, so, you know, I just think that that's, that's like a good model um, for like thinking about how, you know, what is kindy um, and it's, it's meant to be like musically interesting, something that like anybody could listen to. So um, although some, some people do, you know, um, write for very, very young children and that's okay. Like there, there's a place for, for all of that. Um, but a lot of, um, you know, a lot of kindy is, um is music that you can listen to at any age. Yeah. And, um, like, one of my favorite albums of the past year is with Justin Roberts. Oh, yeah. Gonna, I don't know if you've, you've heard. Uh, it. it was, yeah, nominated for a Grammy. Amazing record. I really, um, I, I've always loved John, uh, Justin Roberts' songwriting. He's oh. such a nice guy. And, oh, he's a he's he's a, a, such a great guy. Um, one of the things that I think he does is he just he, his songwriting is very complex and interesting, and um, you know it's also it's not like it's not um, aimed just for kids. It's sort of like anyone could could enjoy listening to what he does for sure. Very much like they might be giants. Yeah, he's such a good songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> And actually, they might be giants. They were like one of my favorite bands growing up. Well, um, come on. Like, <laughs> but at the time, like people didn't know they might be giants. They were so indie. Um, and uh, one of my friends uh, had an older brother who listened to them. And so, like I, you know, like I was listening to them after their first record. Um, I remember when Lincoln came out, um, which was their second. That sort of really like people started to know them more. But like they were the first uh, concert I ever went to with my friends, <laughs> and um, and I've I've loved the Might Be Giants you know for a long time. So they also are you know I mean eventually they started doing kids music as well or music for for kids. But their stuff was always you know um, I, I feel like pretty kid friendly. It could have been for anybody, and it's and they wrote about all kinds of interesting. My things. favorite song by them is Doctor Worm. Like, yeah, that's a great song. And a lot of people don't know that one. I feel like unless you're in it. You have to be a real fan to know some of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I even like, I don't know if you, you know about Dial-A-Song, right? They used to have that. Yeah. Um, they used to have a phone. I don't know if they still do, but I like called Dial-A-Song back in the day. <laughs> I think they do it over email or text or okay. something. I mean, like I, I called the original Dial-A-Song at their, you know, whatever their answering machine, however they did it back back then. <laughs> So, so what do you hope people take away from your album? Because it 
really a great body of work and I'm happy to showcase it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, um, I just would love for people to, to listen. I, I love for people to enjoy it. And my hope is that, you know, when, uh, like kids and families listen, that it inspires some conversations, inspires some like connection. Um, because, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, as a parent, I think a lot of times we're, we're fighting screens and we're fighting, um, you know, other distractions. And so I think music is one of those things that sort of invites interaction. And so, you know, if, if, if um, you know, a kid is listening or a family is listening and, um, you know, makes them have a conversation about something, maybe they look up some information about something or, or, or start to, you know, wonder uh, about something about our world, um, that's really cool. Or even if just some of the songs that are sort of less scientific, but are more about like positive messages, um, if those sink in like um like for example there's a song no more dr blues that's about not being afraid of getting shots and um that kind of came out of um you know when my kids were little and had to um, get shots at the doctor i remember having you know just honest conversations about okay it's gonna hurt a little bit but you know you remember when you got sick and and how that felt and how you were sick for days and that you know kind of you whatever we you know they remembered that and then said okay this is gonna hurt for like just a, a moment, like when you fall down and you cut yourself and then it's, but it's going to hurt, you know, then it'll be fine. So like kind of talking them through that so that they wouldn't have this like huge anxiety with shots. And I remember like our pediatrician, um, when, when my daughter, who was my eldest was turning two and there's like a whole bunch of shots you need. And, you know, we, I kind of reminded her of our conversation that we had had and she was like, okay, like she, she didn't cry. She wasn't upset. And the pediatrician was like, wow, I've never seen this before like that's really unusual in a two-year-old and um and, and that like that she got it you know so i thought that um you know messaging was something that maybe other people would find comforting and helpful like helpful for parents and maybe helpful for for kids who uh have uh, carried that anxiety because i think that's a common uh common issue um and sometimes it's about uh how the grown-ups react <laughs> um and sometimes it's, you know, other, other, uh, you know, other factors there, but, um, you know, I just was hoping that that would be something that would be helpful to people. So that was one of the reasons behind that one. Yeah. I mean, like this album has so much to offer everyone and I'm so excited for people to dive in. Yay. So where can people grab it? Where can people find it? Yeah, so it's going to be available everywhere on September 1st, and it will be uh, in all the places, um, you know, uh, and we will, um, I actually just got the physical CDs a couple of days ago, so they are currently available. Um, and if people want to order them, uh, they can uh, communicate with me like through either social media or through my website. Um, our, my, our website is marciaandthepositrons.com. Um, we have a band campsite where they can order merch and I will be posting um, like the the ordering information for the physical CD even before um, before the uh, album is available everywhere since I do have them already. So if, if anybody wants to order them, I'll, I'll do that after the show so that that's available and, and you can order through Bandcamp. That's probably the, the best place because that comes uh, directly from me. So um, it's the like uh, some of the other services take a big cut from the artists and Bandcamp is very artist friendly. Um, so that's usually in general, a good place to order from artists. Um, so that that's where they can get the physical CD. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, September 1st, will be on all the streaming services and YouTube and all the places. And um, we do have a YouTube channel and it's um, Marsha and the Positron. So we have some 
uh, videos on that channel as already and uh, more videos in the works with this new record. So we would love it if uh, folks would subscribe. Um, and we are on Instagram and uh, all the all the followers and, and subscribers and all those places help or Facebook as well. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, the, that challenge of trying to, um, you know, get our name out there, um, you know, the more people that follow you, it, it's just, you know, sort of effective life that you kind of have to get followers. So, you know, the more people that yeah. um, do that, it helps more people to know you, to, to find you. So, um, so if anybody listening is inclined, we, we appreciate you and um, we're happy to have you follow us and subscribe. And, and we do have like fun content coming with, with new videos and stuff like that. So. I love it. So thank Yay. you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for having me. It's really been fun chatting with you. So if you were to, choose two songs from the record to close off with what what should we play you're the dj oh, today. Like, gosh oh my goodness well i i want to know what you what what songs you want to play like what, what were the songs that hit you from this record well you know starling yeah <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm just gonna play starling and i'm gonna throw in a random one because it's all so good thank you it's yeah it's hard it's um I, it's hard for me to pick. It's like choosing a ba choosing who's your favorite kid or something, you know, like I, I have so many, um, like just they're all, so many of the songs are, are, um, are my favorites. <laughs> so it's hard for me to pick, but, um, I, I, one of the ones maybe that, you know, some of the, some of them have already gotten, um, radio play. Um, and Starlinks is one that people really seem to connect to. One that I think is, is really fun. Um, and that, that maybe would be a fun one to talk about is Shoelaces. Um, and that one features, um, Tina Kenny Jones and Russ Jones, who are both in, um, Danny Weinkoff's Red Pants Band. And, and Danny Weinkoff is actually, you know, the bass player for They Might Be Yeah. Well, which is just a fun little connection there. Um, but that song came out of, um, during the pandemic, uh, Tina, had started this little like Facebook group um, for songwriting or for it was like a just a creativity kind of Facebook group where she would post a prompt and people would have a certain amount of time to do something connected to the prompt and so some of the people were like um, visual artists or other kinds of artists and, and some people were musicians and songwriters and so one of the posts that she that she put up was um, shoelaces that was the whole prompt and that um that was what inspired me to write this song and so once I, when i uh, was recording it um you know i asked her if she would be uh interested in in you know collaborating on that and so she sang backup and then her husband russ jones um played guitar on it and um i just love that i, I love how that came out um her, she just did so much fun um backing vocal stuff on that so that might be a fun one to play yeah so to wrap this up before mm -hmm. we before we play the song, uh, what is the most difficult part for you about being a creative person? Oh, um, I think it's just it's all the juggling, um, you know, doing it all. Like like I said, like you said earlier, um, even though um, I don't do like the recording and production side of it, and I'm really lucky to have you know like TJ to be leading that for um for us for for me and for my band um i do like the website and i do the booking and i do the invoicing and the you know pr outreach and <laughs> um all kinds of stuff so um it's just it's a lot um of doing all of that and just trying to um also raise a family and um uh, you know and and it's not necessarily lucrative <laughs> so um so that's what's hard is um you know it's just trying to like keep it all going and and doing all the things you need to do in order to 
um, to, to be able to have time for the creative side of it. So, um, you know, I, I love playing shows. I love singing and I love uh, songwriting. Um, so those are when it's trying to make some space for that. So, um, you know, doing all the things while you're trying to be creative is, is what's the challenge. I think. Well, on that note, this has been a blast and I hope we could talk again soon. I hope so. I'd love to talk to you anytime. And thank you so much for, for chatting with me and for sharing my music and for your enthusiasm about the record. The starlings fly, unified, making amazing shapes in the sky. Let's unify, fly right when we are together. Let nothing divide us. Yeah.
Thanks for hanging out with us at the DJ Bob Show. If you like this episode, drop us a line at djbobrunkel at gmail.com. That's djbobrunkel at gmail.com. Let us know what you liked most about this episode and what other guests we should have on the DJ Bob Show. Thanks so much again for hanging out with us. This is Nate Beagle, your humble announcer.